Chapter Twenty One of Early Days of Old Oregon by Catherine Barry Judson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty One: The Great Council at Walla Walla the very year in which the first immigrants hacked their way through the natchez pass in eighteen fifty three washington was set off from the old oregon country as a territory its limits were not however just what the state limits are today. two years later in eighteen fifty five the governor isaac i stevens tried to make treaties with the indians so that the new white settlers might have their lands the first treaties were made around puget sound the indians did not care much about it in that country where the light canoes darted easily through the water and life was easy because of the fish in the waters the natives cared little about land besides the treaties gave them the right to fish and to hunt deer in the forests even if they sold all their lands they would have enough to eat there were trout smelt flounders cod salmon and many another fish even whales in the waters and crabs and clams and gooey ducks in the sandy beaches wapato roots and camas roots grew abundantly there were many berries salal huckleberry wild raspberry and blackberry as well as the oregon grape wild crab apples and wild cherries were also found flying over the water or swimming in it were ducks and geese and other wild fowls so these canoe indians paid less attention to selling their lands than the horse indians the horse indians in the interior east of the mountains lived a very different life horses were their wealth the importance of a chief lay in the number of indian ponies he possessed and some had herds of three thousand or more grazing on the rich grasses which grew out of the sandy soil painted ponies or calico ponies as they were called were the pride of the indians that is horses having large spots of color such as a brown pony with large spots of white or a white pony with bluish spots these indians also lived by hunting they chased the elk and deer and the nez perces even crossed two mountain ranges the bitter root and the rockies to chase buffalo on the great plains there were deer and elk among their mountains but the streams were broken by falls so that the salmon could not penetrate beyond certain rocky barriers which were too high for fish to jump because they were horse and hunting indians they had to have wide stretches of country selling their lands was quite a different matter so the first treaties were made and rather easily around puget sound the others were to be made with the indians east of the cascade mountains and governor stevens had called a great council of all the chiefs forty soldiers with officers were sent from fort dales and they went up the river in boats while servants drove up a small herd of half-wild cattle on the backs of ponies and in carts were great heaps of potatoes in other bundles were indian trading goods a treaty could not be made without feasts and without presents governor stevens with some of the treaty makers rode over to eastern washington hazard stevens a boy of fourteen was with his father and he tells the story the council was to be held in the walla walla valley the tents of the white men were pitched in a wide grassy valley beautiful in the may sunshine herds of sleek indian ponies and droves of long-horned spanish cattle grazed in the wide sweep of the valley where to-day stands the city of walla walla to the southeast lay the long line of shimmering blue of the blue mountains 
one afternoon after runners had come in to announce them the nez Perces indians came in sight and paused half seen in a depression of the hills there were twenty-five hundred of them a single brave came forward with a large american flag which he planted near the white officials then two by two over the crest of a low hill and down into the valley came the nez Perces, a thousand warriors on splendid horses forming a long line across the valley they were gay indeed their faces and bodies were painted in stripes and squares and in curious designs in the four indian colors red yellow blue and white plumes waved from their carefully braided hair bright with gay ribbons and even the ponies were gaily painted in bright colors a white or yellow pony was striped with red a black one with red and white some had blue stripes their saddle blankets were beaded in many colors and the long fringe of buckskin swept the ground plumes were fastened in the horses manes after galloping forward a short distance in this long line and riding two by two it stretched across the valley all stopped at a signal the head chief lawyer with two other chiefs after riding forward sprang off their ponies and shook hands with the treaty makers twenty-five lesser chiefs then did the same then the long line of warriors galloped forward with their brightly painted faces and bodies with plumes waving on themselves and their gay ponies up they dashed they came yelling and whooping beating their war-drums firing off their guns crashing their heavy smoke-raw-hide shields together in a wild uproar of noise on and on they came the white men were almost deafened by the banging of guns the crashing of shields the hollow booming of the war-drums and the whooping they dashed close up to the group of treaty-makers as though they would ride over them then in an instant turned their cleverly trained ponies and wheeled backward again they dashed madly forward and again at a signal the ponies stopped still instantly the warriors sprang off their horses and stood beside their chiefs this was the nez Perces welcome to the americans it was done to show off their beautiful ponies and their skill in managing them it was just the same sort of welcome these nez Perces had given to the whitmans nearly twenty years before some of the young warriors formed a ring then and began a wild dance moving arms and feet and legs while keeping time to the music the tom-toms an indian drum made of rawhide was beaten by four braves squatting on their heels on the ground and the drummers and the dancers kept time in that wild half-wailing ay 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 of indian music it was great fun to fourteen-year-old hazard stevens while the men were dancing the busy squaws all gaily dressed were setting up the tepee poles and making camp then the other tribes came in but these tribes the walla wallas the umatillas the cayuses and the yakimas were not so friendly some came in with a wild dash like the nez Perces, but with less friendliness others came sullenly refusing to shake hands refusing later to accept gifts or even to take any food as a gift these people kept away from the feasts almost altogether a feast came first beeves were killed and dressed huge fires were built in some places and the entire animals roasted on spits before the blaze others were cut up and cooked by indians at small fires near their tepees 
the table for the chiefs was a very long one made of split boards smoothed on top with tin plates and cups hunting knives were used with which to cut here the chiefs with the treaty makers had their feasts under an awning to protect them from the sun governor stevens during the first feast carved at one end of the table and another officer at the other but there were so many chiefs and the big tin plates came back so rapidly that he ordered another officer at the later feasts to take his place carving for that throng of indians with indian appetites was hard work he said then the council was held the tents of the americans were pitched among the wild flowers and the green grass by the side of a charming little stream here governor stevens had a large tent in front of it was an arbor built of tree branches and here sat the semicircle of chiefs squatting on their heels wild and savage in their paint and feathers and here again and again the indians said they would not sell their lands day after day the council met sometimes the sun shone and the wide-sweeping valley with its thousand or more of tepees its droves of horses and herds of cattle feeding on the fresh green grass was glorious in its may beauty and sometimes the rain fell and the indians sulked in their damp tepees and talked among themselves nothing at all seemed to be done yet the indians complained that the white men were in too much of a hurry it did seem as though time might be given to think it over for the americans were asking the indians to give up their homelands to give up everything in the world they had for that was what it meant to give up the lands of their tribes and go on a reservation besides it meant giving up their freedom supposing white men were asked to make a treaty by which they were obliged and all their children after them to live just in one small county never to leave it never to go away as the white people came in the indians knew the deer and wild game would go away so there would be no more hunting so day after day that council met but the indians said they wanted time for horse races therefore the council held no meetings while the thousands of indians idled in the sunshine and watched the racing horses and day by day the few soldiers loitered among their tents under the cottonwood trees by the pleasant little stream and under the willows which bordered the creek they looked out over the broad rolling valley which they were asking the indians to sell feast after feast was held still the indians put off any treaty by which they would give up their lands they said the earth was their mother and they could not sell her when they sat upon the ground the indians said they were reposing on the bosom of their great mother governor stevens explained that the white people were coming into their land they wanted to build houses to plough the land and raise grain they wanted to bring their wives and children with them Peopeo Moxmox, the great Walla Walla chief, said, Stop the white men from coming up here until we have had this talk. Let them not bring their axes with them. They may travel through our country if they do not build houses. Lawyer, a Nez Perce chief, said, The white man is our brother. We must follow in the white man's trail. He meant that it would be wiser to follow the customs of the white man because a great change must come into their own ways of living lawyer was a wise chief then another feast was held thirty chiefs again sat at the long table the officers carved the roast beef and piled up the tin plates with beef and potatoes the chiefs ate like starved wolves 
yet in spite of all the feasts and the councils nothing could be done the cayuse indians and others were bitter toward the whites and secret meetings were being held among the tepees suddenly late one night lawyer came to governor stevens tent he said the cayuse indians were plotting to kill all the white men so that they should not have to sell their lands they had asked the nez chiefs to have their tribe join the plot lawyer had refused quickly it was after midnight yet the faithful indian ordered his wives to pull down his tepee and set it up in the midst of the american camp thus the indians could not attack the americans without attacking lawyer also that would mean a war among the tribes without the warning the governor and his soldiers would probably have been massacred there were fewer than a hundred white men including all there were thousands of armed indians again the feasts were held and councils the great father at washington governor stevens told the indians would give them money every year would give them lands which would never be taken away from them would allow them to hunt over the country until it was settled would build for them mills and send them teachers of farming would build schools for their children would give them blankets and clothing every year it was the same promise that was made to the puget sound indians at last the indians agreed to sell their lands they really could not help themselves they were forced into saying yes therefore some of the chiefs really did not mean to give up their lands they were plotting revenge just as everything seemed settled up rode another nez Perce chief looking-glass he came with a war-party shouting and whooping and tossing high on coup sticks the fresh scalps they had taken he had never been a friend of the americans my people what have you done he demanded when told of the treaty they were just making while i was gone you have sold my country i have come home and there is not left to me a place in which to pitch my tepee go back to your lodges i will talk to you so looking-glass talked to his people and again they were all unwilling to make a treaty at last however most of the indian chiefs signed the treaty paper they had sold their lands as yet they had received only a few presents it was years before they received payment and then it was not as promised thus the council ended the last feast was held and for the last time the plates were heaped high with roast beef and potatoes the tents were struck the tepees were pulled down so the indians rode away all the trails leading out of the valley were filled with this wild picturesque procession the horses were still brightly painted with plumes in their tails and manes the warriors were in scarlet blankets and leggings the squaws and papooses had bright calico skirts and gaudy handkerchiefs when the indians reached their villages here and there in the wide-spreading country they began to talk about the treaty they did not like being forced to give up their lands they began to buy powder and guns from the american and the british traders after a few months the whole country east of the cascades was ablaze with an indian war there was no longer feasting it was war-hoop and tomahawk if we look at things fairly and squarely we cannot well blame those indian peoples the war lasted less than two years and there were a number of battles at the dales and east of the mountains it was not until eighteen fifty six that there was any trouble west of the mountains and then the horse indians came over and persuaded the canoe indians to go on the warpath but there was little fighting except in the battle of seattle 
yet americans were shot and scalped wherever they appeared while british traders in their blue coats and brass buttons could go anywhere for this reason many people thought the british were helping the indians and were themselves against the americans this is not true the indians knew that the british traders did not want their lands that they were traders only besides those traders had lived among them for forty years without harming them without driving away the game or making them sell their lands but the americans were driving the game away so that the indians were starving and they were driving the indians out of their own country so they were friends with the one nation of white men and bitter enemies to the other nor can we blame them but when the war ended the white men had their own way the indians were forced into reservations while their hunting grounds and their commerce grounds were taken by the white people towns and cities were built up where are the indians now End of chapter twenty one